All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I, don't, I won't cover the Canucks. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let's go.
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S. Wow, that took me a second. All one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic. Check them out on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, Whatever platform you want, Zephyr Epic is probably on it, and they're probably giving you all of your sports cards needs. They got fun stuff for kids, too, like coloring pages and stuff like that. So go check out ZephyrEpic.com. Also have a retail location in Surrey, but if you choose to shop online, free shipping Canada-wide on any order over $50. It's been a while, Chris. My name is David Quadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Our technical producer is Aaron Bordado. Uh, I'm back from vacation. What's this about uh, coloring books? You have coloring books at uh, Zephyr? They, no, no, I up? didn't say books. I said pages. They got stuff you can print. Did you never do one of those? Like you got a coloring page printed off from uh, like PBS.com or whatever? Um, no, I don't think I've ever done that. I'm not a big uh, coloring guy. My fiance, I got her a book of like learning how to doodle. And it's like a, it's like a six step thing about drawing a lot of like little pieces or whatever. And uh, yesterday I drew a beaver for the first time. That was pretty cool. Do you have it? Like, can you can you show uh, the listeners? No, I don't want to. It wasn't that good. So <laughs> I uh, I don't want to do that. But uh, yeah, no, you had your whole vacation week. Talk us through what was uh, your one week of vacation like? You were straight seven days, no work. Well, first off, we have to give a shout out. And I know you agree with this. We don't plan the show. But I, I wanted to get this out of the way quick. Uh, Joey Pitt and Laura. Uh, from Canucks Twitter, mm-hmm. Canucks Twitter power couple, uh, they just got engaged during my vacation, which was awesome. I think it's Sunday, Sunday. Congratulations to Joey and Laura. Obviously, Joey's our pal, Laura as well. Laura's Joey's been in the chat Canucks right Army now. Hello, events. Joey. Congratulations to you too. That's uh, it was pretty awesome. My fiance saw that tweet within like thirty seconds of it being up, so I, uh, <laughs> I feel like I was one of the first people to know. That was awesome. So, congrats to those two. Really awesome uh, to see, to see young love, right? Quads, young love. That's right, and we're gonna have. That means we're gonna have a set of fiancés at the next uh, next Canucks Army event, which we're gonna be having in. I think the first one we're, we're talking about a few different things right now, but I think we're gonna do kind of a season kickoff thing. We'll see yeah. uh, what comes of that, but we're hopeful. We're hopeful that we can do something uh, quick. But yes, of course, congratulations to Joey and Laura. Okay, now I'm gonna make this about me. You asked how my vacation was. Chris, it was awesome. I showed you my screen time thing. I spent like eight minutes on Twitter on my whole vacation. I cooked some stuff. It was it was a really, really good time. I ordered a Lego set, but it did not get to my house until Monday. My first day back at work was when my Lego set got here. So now I'm slowly building that. I'm not going to be able to finish it the way I hope to, but uh, it, it was awesome, man. It, it was so much fun. Um, I loved not working, um, but I'm back in now, back in the saddle. And honestly, like, I'm feeling pretty excited about the season. And this isn't just because of the Canucks offseason or anything like that, but just with what we have planned at Canucks Army and what we're going to do. Like, last year was our first year with Wyatt. You know, last year was our first year doing the show. There was a lot of changes last year, and it kind of felt like it all happened really quickly. But now we have a year under our belt doing all this other stuff that we do now. And I'm very excited. Like I think it's I think it's going to be a really fun year. I'm excited to be doing the show five days a week again with you. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a hell of a season. I don't even know what else to say. I just I, like, it was like vacation kind of made me like I didn't miss work. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say I missed work, 
but like I got back and I'm excited. Like I'm really excited hey, about this season. That's like uh from a from an employer's perspective, what else could they ask for from a vacation? That they give you the week vacation and uh now you just want to work. You want to work and work and work. I feel like it was like the the week that you took for vacation, which was last week, felt to me a little bit like we're at the top of the mountain. We're at the top of the mountain of like grinding through the off season. So now it's kind of just like, well, training camp's now a month away. Young Stars is just around the corner in a couple in a few weeks here uh, up in Penticton. So like everything's starting to kind of glide into the season. And, and the fact that like NFL football started, like the preseason started, that to me was like, oh, hey, fall sports season is coming and we all love force fall sports season obviously uh so yeah it was it was uh we're at a good point right now and yeah i think the 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 puce i'm working on it puce suitor uh signing is definitely something to get excited about it's something that you missed last week because you were on vacation as we mentioned uh but maybe we'll just get your thoughts on it because harm and i spent a lot of time we had a ton of people in the youtube chat uh last week as well because it was like an hour after the signing when we did the show so that was perfect timing i'm glad we didn't do the show on thursday uh but we haven't gotten your thoughts on it yet uh quads puce suitor uh what do you think 1.6 million dollars two-year deal Kind of looks like he's slotting into three C, but what are your what's your take on the signing here? Now that we've had some time to kind of let it sink in a little bit. So my first thought, I was at the zoo when the signing broke, and I got a text from a friend, which I'm sure you can relate to. Text from a friend saying, "Hey, what, what do you think of the signing?" I'm like, "I don't know what signing you're talking about. I have all my m- notifications muted. I have I haven't seen anything. I'm looking at a draft right now." P.S. Suter or Puce, whatever it is, um, we're going to work on that. We'll work on it. I really liked the signing because obviously I got home and I had to look it up, right? Like I had to go look a little bit more. This is a guy that we have been talking about, maybe not on the show so much, but he's been referenced on Canucks Army a lot of times. I think Noah Strang talked about him. I think Stefan Roger has also written about him as like a smart, preferably cheap signing for the Canucks. But I think even those guys, when they wrote about him, were talking about him being kind of a, yeah, two or three million dollars at two years. The fact they got him at one point six for two years is really, really good. And we know what the market has kind of corrected itself with the flat cap era to being, you know, not really a favorable spot if you're a bottom six forward, right? Yeah. Like Tyler Mott still doesn't have a contract, right? And that that's an unfortunate case because we go back to it and Tyler Mott basically talked extension with the Canucks. It didn't work out. Tyler Mott thought he could get more in the open market. I should say the agent, right? It wasn't obviously Tyler Mott himself, but their camp thought they could get more in the open market. So the Canucks move him. He's not able to get more in the open market. Goes for the one-year show-me deal in Ottawa. Now he's kind of in that mushy middle where, like, are we going to see Tyler Mott on a PTO? Like, were we close to seeing a guy like Pius Suter on a PTO? Like, like, were we close to that? Because we saw the report from Rick Dollywall that, you know, a lot of teams were talking to Suter about it being one year, but then the Canucks apparently were the first to kind of go to two years. And that made it an easy decision for Suter. It seems like him and his camp were kind of holding out for that second year. And that since the Canucks were willing to give that, that's what made them actually pull the trigger on signing with the Canucks. Now, look, this is their first move in the month of August since 2015. I've talked about that. Adam Cracknell was their last one. And I'm kind of going all over the map here as I tend to do, jumping right back into the saddle. But the signing itself, what it signals to me, Chris, is that the Canucks improved their center depth. Their bottom six forward group is improved without really breaking the bank. And what it really signaled to me, and, and we didn't really, I don't say we badmouthed Teddy Bluger, 
but we kind of alluded to the idea that, yeah, you know, he's penciled into the 3C role, but, like, he was like a fourth-line winger, sometimes center, on the Vegas Golden Knights. So if you're a team that's trying to compete and you're a team that's really trying to make the playoffs once again, as the Canucks have made it clear they are, you don't really go into the season and say, yes, Teddy Bluger is for sure our three seed. And now I know they're hoping for Nils Amon to take a step and all those other variables. But for the most part, that's what the Bluger signing was, was, okay, we have our three seed. We have our guy. But now it gives them some options, right? And I, I don't think many would disagree that Suter is a better option than Bluger as the 3C. And you're much better off if you've got Bluger as your 4C. And not to mention what happens if there's an injury to any center on this roster, right? About what, what kind of shape you're in pre-Suter signing and now what you're what you're looking at after the signing of Pius Suter. Yeah, he's an example of... You see good teams do this every year where they sign a player in August or September even, and we see it sometimes, like right before the season, and they get them at below market value from July 1st, and they're very effective for that money. This is where you find value in free agency. You don't find it on July 1st. I'm sorry. It doesn't happen that way. You might find a good player on July 1st, but I don't think you're ever getting value from that type of player really on July 1st. Like you're Maybe there's some rare occasions where a, free, a big free agent on July 1st hits for you, but... These guys, I feel like there's a lot more of a a success rate for the value that you pay in August, September, these type of deals. And that's what I look like with with Pew Suter. Like, the Canucks waited. It took took a two-year deal to get done, like you mentioned. But this feels like a contract where it's kind of like we said with all the the other deals that were signed on July 1st by Patrick Alvin. But, like, this money makes sense. This contract makes sense. The where he's going to play in the lineup makes sense. And I don't think we've seen enough of that in the past few years for the Vancouver Canucks. So from your perspective of Suter, what's the best thing he brings on ice? Because we've touched on the contract. We've touched on a few things like that. But on ice, what are you expecting now? Because you've uh, you've been back to editing articles now. You might have missed the, the Suter hype as we had you know articles all weekend long on Canucks Army. But I'm sure you've caught up a little bit and done some research of your own. What do you see him actually doing on the ice next season? Well, you know, I always like to do my own research. So with Suter, obviously, there's the penalty-killing aspect. And that's something that's just in line with what we've seen the Canucks do with every free agent that they have targeted this offseason. Obviously, there's the defending, all that sort of stuff. But what I really like about Suter is that when you look at him as a 3C, especially in comparison to Bluger, and I know Stefan did this exercise himself but that's the big thing I see with Suter is that there's just more offensive upside and he's still only 27 years old I know Bluger's only a year older at 28 but there was really no offense that comes with Bluger and that's fine he's a very solid defensive center and this team definitely there's definitely a place on this team for that but with Suter you're seeing more offensive upside what can Suter do if he's playing with a Connor Garland on his wing right like you know uh, you know a talented five on five offensive contributor don't tell jd burke i said that but a talented five-on-five offensive contributor who has been playing with guys like sheldon dries right like connor garland hasn't really had that steady center and i wonder what the third line kind of looks like and who his wingers turn out being and i know you did something on canucksarmy.com about the line combinations that we might see but with Suter, i just see some offensive upside and i think if you're a canucks fan 
you have to be super happy about that, especially if you're looking at what this team's projected lineup was before they signed Suter and their overall center depth as well, right? And then after they signed Suter, how much those things change, even with what looks like a pretty insignificant signing. Like you brought up the cap hit. This guy could be buried in the minors and you only have like, what, 400, 500,000 on your salary cap if he needs to go down to the minors in the second year, right? Like, there's a ton of ton of reasons to like this deal. And the longer we talk about it, I think the more you're just going to like it. But the one thing that I've got curious about, because I was talking about the signing itself and I was trying to catch up and I wrote something, 1500 words on Canucks army. It went up about a half hour ago, I'd say just finished it this morning, but I was looking at the Canucks off season as a whole. And I had someone say to me like, Hey, when's the last time the Canucks had this good of an off season. Hmm. So I went back and looked at like all of the recent off seasons that they've had. I went back to 2014 because I kind of deduced that that was the last time they had a very good off season, right? They signed Verbata, they signed Ryan Miller. Those two signings worked out for the most part with what that team was trying to accomplish. Yes, they should have rebuilt. I mentioned that in the article, but anyways, my point being that you, you don't really see a lot of people saying, Oh, I, I don't like these signings for the Canucks. Like, Yes, there are people out there, and maybe they're right, that are saying, I disagree with the Canucks, the Canucks' belief that Carson Soucy and Ian Cole, Soucy especially, can both be top four contributors regular, excuse me, yeah, top four defensemen regularly. Like, Soucy's never played more than a bottom-pairing bottom role up to this point in his career, and they threw three years at him, right? So there are people who are looking at Soucy and saying, okay, well, maybe this bet won't work out. But for the most part, these were low-risk, potentially high-upside bets that the Canucks made, and they addressed their biggest concern in penalty killing, and they did not pay a premium to do this. I've said this on past shows, Chris. You look at the names that were out there. They didn't go out and sign Ryan O'Reilly. They go the cheaper route, and I think that's what a lot of Canucks fans wanted to see. So I went back and looked at the last time they even did anything remotely close to that, and I think you can argue that there's some comparables there with the Radom Verbata signing, where they only go two years, $5 million annually, uh, rather than more more additional years uh, on that contract. So I went back and looked at all that. Article's up at CanucksArmy.com. But I just kind of looked at their moves as a whole, and I said, you know, the 2022 offseason, pretty good. Didn't amount to much, but they didn't take any shortcuts, really. Like, the shortcut, I guess, and I, I don't know if we're, we'll call it a shortcut in six months, right, was trading for Philip Ronick, right? We all thought they were going into this rebuild. They've made it clear they're just making a retool, and they just want to – do it their way, which, hey, it might work out. It might work out, but for the most part, their offseason, there was no signings that you were like, oh, I, I can't believe they did this, or no trades that you were like, wow, I can't believe they did this. And look, Peronik's a good defenseman, right? Like that, that That's the thing that it comes down to is he's going to help this team, and now let's just see if the pieces they've kind of sprinkled in around it is going to be able to get them over the hump. Yeah, and I thought about that a little bit today where it was like, what, what is the biggest – need that needed to be addressed on the roster. And we've touched, we've talked about it for years. In my eyes, it was Quinn Hughes's partner, right? Like that is to me, the thing that you need, you need a top pairing that you're feeling confident in. And with Susie and Cole, I don't know. I don't know if either of them is the right answer there. I mean, they draft Tom Willander this off season. So you have to give them credit there. Okay. They're, they're making an investment here. Cause listen, they could have gone out. They could have got, uh, you know, a big name forward, right? The Zach Benson was right there. They could have got Zach Benson. They made an investment to, in my eyes, draft Quinn Hughes' partner of the future. And right now they, they've brought in some guys who can kind of patchwork their way through. Like, you know, Noah Juleson can play games with Quinn Hughes. Ian Cole can play games with Quinn Hughes. Uh, 
I guess like Heronik's going to play some time with him at five on five when they're trailing in games, that, that type of situation while you're waiting for Will Lander to develop into that role. So the other big one that they wanted to, and this is one that they verbally talked to us about, about one of the big needs that they wanted to fill out. This is from Patrick Alvin, like three C they did need a three C. And I like that. I like that they're getting value from the signing for a three C too. Like I, I find that, Hugh Suter is going to bring value in that role. And I, I just had to look it up here real quick because I, I, sh- I should have known this, but I just wanted to double check. But, like, no trade protection either. So if things aren't working out, somebody's going to trade you a pick for Hugh Suter. That's the thing that you can look at with contracts. And it's like, listen, we're Canucks. We follow the Canucks. There's a lot of Canucks fans listening to this show. We know that things can go south very quick here in this market for this team specifically, the way that they're run. And if you do have to start selling off guys, like, hey, you can probably sell Ian Cole off at, you know, retain half, sell him off. He's on a one-year deal. You can now sell off Pew Suter if you need to. And these are if things actually go, you know, negatively, which is, listen, very possible. We've seen it happen year after year here for Vancouver Canucks fans. But I, I think, in, in like Canucks vid says here, I'm cautiously optimistic for the upcoming season to make the playoffs. To my own detriment, maybe. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that comment there on the YouTube here is how a – big majority of Canucks fans are feeling right now. At least the the sense that I'm getting from social media anyways is there's a lot of optimism going around, but I'm not, I don't see a lot of Canucks fans being like 100% playoff team. Like it is a very cautious optimism that's out there right now with Canucks fans, but I think it's fair because the off season has been uh, in my eyes, a very good off season. We had to give our our letter grades on the Canucks army round table. I picked a minus. I think it's been a pretty good off season for them. I could bump it up to an A or an A plus if they were able to move away from the, the Myers money. Really? Like they what else could you have asked for this year? OEL's not coming back to play on the roster next year. Yeah, you had to buy him out. That's gonna hurt you in a couple of years for sure, but it, he might have hurt you more being on this roster and playing games next year at this cap hit. So I, I look at the whole offseason as a whole and I think, man, there there should be optimism about the Canucks. That's how I'm feeling about the team anyways. But like like Canucks vid said on the YouTube chat, you have to be cautiously optimistic here. I think even the uber positive Canucks fans have just had the passion beat out of them to yeah. some extent. Because look, like I, I've been on Reddit more lately. I, I, I'm I'm a member of the Canucks Reddit now. I got my account there. People are very nice to me on Reddit now. Um, but th- there was like a post on there. No disrespect to the original poster of the of the post, but. They basically said, like, you know, all these analytic models have us finishing, you know, kind of just below the playoff bar. I think people are seriously underrating us. And, like, all the replies are, like, we've been saying this for the past 11 years. Like, we've been saying this every single year for the past number of years, and it's never really turned out the way that we expect. So you have to be cautiously optimistic. And my point being here, Chris, is that I don't think this – idea of being cautiously optimistic is just something from Canucks vid or something that we're saying. I think that's the overwhelming feeling among Canucks fans right now is I've seen this song and dance before. I'm going to wait and make sure the team actually proves it on the ice. Cause that's the thing is like, y- you saw it kind of under talk it, make the switch. Right. A- and one thing I'm really curious to talk to players about especially at like training camp and stuff, because JT Miller had that um, podcast appearance last week. I think it was Cam and Strick podcast uh, where he talked about how he believes in the team and that sort of stuff and why he signed long-term in Vancouver and all that. And one thing that really piqued my interest was how he talked about, you know, it didn't feel right before. Like, like things weren't feeling good. It was a gong show of a season. He used a different word, but it was a gong show of a season 
And when Taki came in, things just kind of started sharpening up a little bit. Things started to make a little more sense is what it sounded like. So I'm curious with, if you go back and listen to how things sounded when Bruce was first hired, when Bruce Boudreaux first took over for Travis Green, sounded similar to Tockett, but it seems like there's just more belief in Tockett from the players. So, or, or what they were able to do under Tockett. And I'm just curious what it really comes down to for the players. Um, you know, how different it actually feels heading into this upcoming season. Because for fans, like, it doesn't feel too different, I don't think. I think fans are basically in the same spot they were last year, where they were cautiously optimistic. Yeah, the Boudreaux bump was great, but let's let's not put the cart before the horse, yeah. right? I think that's where fans were last year. And I think that, once again, that's where they are this year. And that is not the consumer's fault. That is the product's fault because it's hurt the consumer so many times that this is where they're at. As Canucks fans, that is where they are at right now is they need to see it to believe it. Now, we're hopeful. We're hopeful that we finally get some playoff hockey to cover because, man, remember the bubble? We had so much fun with the bubble. We weren't in the bubble, obviously, but the podcasts we were doing, it was fun. It was fun to watch the Canucks compete in the playoffs. So hopefully uh, they have a similar result this year. Yeah, let's get to a couple of comments. Jeremy says, it's best to be humble and underrated. Jimmy Grimmy says, really going to depend on chemistry. So many new players to jive with. I I, I understand that. And I, what I wanted to throw out there, it's like, hey, listen, we're in the offseason. We don't have a ton of news. Why don't we have this discussion here today of why why would it be different? Why What are the things that are going to be different? Because I thought the Canucks were a very good team in the, the, the closeout to the season with Bruce Boudreaux as their coach. I thought they were a good, like a, a solid team when they were with Rick Tockett to finish out the season. Is the organization now, let's let's just like, honestly, I don't even have like a big discussion point. Let's see if we can come up with points. And you can do this in the chat as well if you're joining us here on YouTube. But like, why is this different? We can obviously start with, with the coach. Rick Tockett is different than Bruce Boudreaux. It feels like there's a different expectation, I think. In the offseason, do you got a couple things of why this actually feels different? They seem to be cheating a little bit less, right? Like for points, for offense in general, they seem to be playing hashtag the right way a little bit more under Talkit and his coaching staff. And, and one thing that we've heard players talk about, Chris, is that there's actual coaching going on. And there wasn't a ton of that under Bruce Boudreaux. And hey, like, I don't want this to turn into a Bruce... Uh, slam fest this has happened enough in this market when he was still here so i just want to talk about the fact that yeah like talk it it seems like has a pretty good grasp on where his players are at and he has communicated to them where they actually need to be and it seems like there's just a lot more coaching going on which that's something we've just heard from the players it's not really a report or anything like that that's just something players have said is yeah like with talk it there's a lot more kind of instruction coming down yeah i think a healthy demko is another one right yeah we're, we're getting a healthy demko going into next season he's critical for success for the vancouver canucks um i, I think the second be- best player in the world archer Silovs, yep. behind only connor bedard you can say that. To the ihf yeah, no, yeah that's good stuff i think um another one might be Listen, Pedersen and Hughes both took a step again last year mm-hmm. that's another positive those are the two drivers of this team Another positive I feel would be, and that's a tough one because is Carson Soucy really a top four? Like they added a top four defenseman in Philip Peronic. That's a positive there. 
They added a bottom four guy in Carson Soucy. I think you could call him that. So that's another positive there. That might be something that's a little bit different. But really, like if you look at compared to going into last year, they don't have Bo Horvat anymore, right? That was a listen. He was a very good player for the Vancouver Canucks, specifically uh, last season scoring goals. So you know, it's like uh, this muted account said in the chat: new coat of paint on the same car. That I think a lot of people will feel like that way, and, and it's because of what you mentioned: of why would the fan base this season believe compared to what they did last year when it was like a. I think last year was really hurtful for the fan base because they got like hope and excitement and all that stuff came back with Bruce Boudreaux. Cause it was like fun wins. And you know, this, this exciting coach who gives great quotes in the media and the players all really listen. If we go back like a year and, and like, if we go back like 14 months or 15 months, we're still in the season. Players really loved Bruce Boudreaux. The players all I think they still loved do. him. Yeah. I think you could hear that in the JT Miller conversation. So to think that things are going to be vastly different, I struggle with that being a, a legitimate possibility. But I can see this being the start of the changes to get you to the organization, the organization being vastly different and being held to a higher level of accountability. Do I, I think a lot of that starts from the management group. I think a lot of that starts, honestly, with the ownership and goes down from there and to the management group, then to the coaches, and the coaches are the ones that lay it on to the players. And like you said, yes, I, I do feel better about the actual coaching that's coming to this team, right? Like, I do feel better about that. But what else? Is there anything else that you feel much more confident about this year than last year that we're missing? I'll check in the chat here in a second, if unless you have one. I'd just like to point out that when Tockett first got here, he spoke about wanting to run four lines, wanting to not have... P.G. and Hughes playing, you know, NHL leading ice time, which is what they actually ended up doing down the stretch. Mm -hmm. But we kind of predicted this to some extent. Like we talked about, it's great that he's saying all this. It's great for the tank. But I think at some point he's going to realize that, hey, we're not going to win games if we don't ride these guys super hard with the way that the team is constructed right now. So if we go back to the signings that they made, it frees them up. Like when you add depth and you add depth that you can actually trust and it's not just let's hope uh, Sheldon Dries works out in this spot or let's hope this guy from Abbotsford, you know, I'm not trying to pick on Sheldon Dries. I mentioned him twice today, but <laughs> he's taking um, it today. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sheldon Dries getting targeted. You in August, hey, but... Sheldon Dries will drop it with any five foot eight guy. So you're in trouble. Watch Dude, out. Look, I know I, I'm not, you know, all honesty, I'm not trying to bad most Sheldon Dries, but you get what I'm saying, right? Just adding to your depth is going to allow this team to not maybe not run all four lines evenly. I don't think that's going to happen with the way this team's constructed, but it should allow them to successfully kill penalties without having to put Pedersen or Hughes out there in turn, turning down their ice time, even just a little bit. If you want these guys to last over a full 82 game season, Hughes can't be playing close to 30 minutes a night every single night. He's got to have some nights where you know, the load is just taken off him a little bit. And I think with their offseason additions, it's going to allow them to do that and ultimately going to allow them to play more the way that Tockett wants them to play. So there's another reason for optimism, I'd yeah, say. That's actually another reason. And I can just kind of bounce off of that one. This is like a cousin of your answer here. But the additions do help the top players. And I don't know if you can say that about previous years, about the additions that they've made to really make the top players that much better. Like, Mikheyev last offseason, he was a guy who was going to make the top players better. Obviously, he didn't work out with the injury, but at least he's that type. But I, I can see that, like, 
from what you said, the job that these top players are going to have to do on a nightly basis when they're playing, it is a little bit easier when some of these other guys can eat up those minutes that, yeah, you, you don't need Quinn Hughes playing three minutes a night on the penalty kill. You don't need that. Save him those three minutes and, and let him use those three minutes later on in the season, right? Like, little things like that. Uh, let's get to a couple of comments. Carlos says, bottom six might be decent for the first time in a while. Again, it's a might, right? But yeah, Carlos is right. They might be better. Uh, Jimmy says, I think the strictness from talk on actual conditioning could be huge for a strong start of the season. Yeah, that's the other thing to me is we're going to know very quickly. We're going to know 12 games into the year, I feel like, if the Canucks are going to be in playoff contention or not. The first 12 games are going to tell you that. And that's why a massive key needs to be put on that. And yeah, I, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how you are fully how you can be more prepared, like they're professionals, right? I, I feel like they're prepared for a hockey season. They'll be ready when training camp comes. When the regular season comes, they're going to be in shape. They're ready to go. But how do you take it to the next level of like what a competitive team does? How is a competitive team ready for the regular season and to go on a stretch to make a run for the Stanley Cup? Because I don't think the Canucks know. I don't think they know how. I think, does, does Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford know? Yeah, they've won cups. They've probably seen what teams are like going into training camp and how a training camp needs to operate for you to be on that level. So... Those are type of things that you can feel like it's a little bit different, and you can absolutely make the case that things are different than they were with Jim Benning as the general manager, right? You can absolutely make a, a case that you feel a lot more confidence in the management group. Are you, are Canucks fans a thousand percent sold on Alvin? No. Could Alvin be talked about being fired halfway through this season? Yeah, absolutely. But I think you just feel a little bit better, at least in terms of a confidence level in your general manager, than you did with Jim Benning in the past. I think you're there for sure. Uh, Do you really think Alvin could get fired? Sorry, I'm, I, yeah. that was that was a dramatic pause. That wasn't a keep talking. <laughs> that was a like I do have to think about what you said. Do you really think Alvin could get fired halfway through the year? Yeah, I, I really think if eh? the if the season really goes off the cliff. Yeah, but, why, why would ownership feel that good about it? Like at this, if the te- if the team falls apart and this team has made their moves now to. A lot of people viewing this team as a, a competitive team for the playoffs. They could be completely wrong. We could be completely wrong. Yeah, I think that their names could be on the hot seat at some point during next season if things don't so, go well at all. So, like, is Rutherford going with him? Is that what you're saying? Probably. Wow. I just... Yeah, okay. I'm I just, just saying, I, I don't feel know, like, like it's what possible. More you, if you're ownership, though, what more do you want? Because... If you're not gonna, if you're not gonna go for a rebuild, like is that when ownership says let's rebuild? Because they just traded for Philip Aronik, so they only dug themselves deeper. Yeah, I don't think there's any going back. I don't think, I don't think, even if the season goes off the rails, that we see a Rutherford and Alvin firing. I, I don't even know what we're gonna see if this season goes off the rails. Like, are they able to just sell and keep building? Because the other thing is, how much did ownership learn? from the Jim Benning era to not buy it when you're hearing, we just need a little more time. We just need a little more time. And then they just keep digging themselves a deeper hole. Like I just, I don't know, Chris, like I don't even want to talk about it. I, I, I don't think I don't, first of all, I don't think even if this season goes off the rails, right. I don't think we see a firing of the coach or the president or the general manager. I know you're out here calling for both of their jobs, right, but I don't think uh, I don't think we're going to see a firing. I really, really don't think we're going to see. So you don't uh, a so, firing. So here's the deal: when you're in the hot seat, what does that mean? You might you might get fired. 
Like, if you're in a hot seat, is it when you say the term? I'm just asking. Uh, like, yeah, yes. Like, a hot seat is you're feeling pressure, right? That's sure. what it means. So, can you see Patrick Alvin being in the hot seat next year? No, not really. really? You Who's firing him? Is Jim Rutherford firing him? No. I, I think that... I just think it's... No, a man. Think if things go really bad. If things go really bad, you think the fan base is going to be all right with it? They they have they would have lost the fan base. They probably have lost the players. I'm just saying it. I think it's possible. We just, we just went from reasons for optimism for next year to how could this season take the worst turn possible? I oh, think they get one the more off year. Season. I, I think, think they can... get one more year. Yeah, Even I if, do too. If this season goes south, they probably get one more right. year from ownership. And I'm saying I, I think they do too. Like I think they at least get a year. But I think that if things really fall apart. And man, we've seen it happen before. So I'm just saying, I think it's I think it's it's possible. Hey, we um we didn't bring it up off the top of the show, I don't think. But for our podcast listeners, later on in the episode, we are going to insert uh, my conversation with uh, with Jet Wu. Jet Wu joined us, and uh, some very interesting stuff from Jet. You'll you guys will hear this if you're listening on the podcast. Apologies to folks on YouTube. It's uh this it's just audio. I didn't really want to play it on here. It'll be available on podcasts and stuff. Um. Really good stuff from Wu. This, this guy's confident about the NHL next year, man. I, I thought I should bring it up with you. I didn't tell you uh, about our conversation yet, but I, I was a little surprised to hear, and not surprised because I think a player in his position should have this type of confidence. I, I guess I was surprised at the level of confidence. Like I, I think that Ryan Johnson has had some very good conversations with Jet about his future here, and Jet, I, I'll have to get the exact quote later on, or you guys will hear it in the interview, but anything aside from the NHL is like, that's that's where he's setting the bar next year is to play in the NHL. So uh, that's conversation we'll get to a little bit later. Um, we'll we'll kind of do like a weird transition for people watching on YouTube. It might be a little awkward, but for everyone on the podcast, we'll set up the interview, get to it, clip it, get back to it later. Um, so that'll be that'll be nice. But I like yeah, I, I feel a little bit. I feel more confident about the positive things we've said in the last twenty minutes than the negative things. I do feel that way. Like I feel more confident in that, and that and that in its own feels like enough for me to to get excited about the next season, right? Like I, I think there's more positives than negatives for me going into next season. I think a lot of that's from the off season moves that they've made. Producer Aaron shot us a little message on the sidebar there. They said this team has you guys in a mental pretzel <laughs> already, and that is absolutely true. And oh, there is a full season to come. But Chris, okay, no, 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 we're not going to talk about this right now. Uh, what one one thing I want to talk about next year is like what could go wrong to the point where we're talking here, where things go off the rails, and we got to set some over unders. That'll be a fun episode okay. uh, later in the month. Over under on points. I'll start one with you just to warm you up. Over under Elias Pettersson a hundred points next season. Over, yeah, I'll take the over. I like it. All yeah. right, I, I I think it's uh I think it's gonna be over as well for sure. And Aaron's um, earning we'll some fans more. in here. He says way over in the chat. Producer Aaron oh, yeah. says that. Uh, the only thing that would keep him away from that is an injury. And uh, knock on wood. Uh, I want to get to some SHL highlights. Yeah, because it's that point of the season, folks. It's that point in the offseason. The SHL's fired up. What do we got first here, Aaron? Let's. Uh, you go ahead throw a video up here. I know we got a couple different highlights to get to. We are going to start with Jonathan LeCaramacchi's goal. So he makes his debut with Orobro. And he rips a wrist shot past first game with Orobro in the preseason, and uh, and he buries one here, so that's good. Not great uh, on the YouTube. Apologies for that. Find it on my Twitter account. Uh, but uh, to, for him to get a good start, he started on the fourth line in this game, 
finish the game on the fourth line in this game, but he scored a goal. We might see what happens with him moving up the lineup. I just think it's great for him to pick up where he left off, right? He had a really good Alsvenskan playoffs. Um, I didn't think he had the best development camp, but that's a development camp. Uh, this is him playing in a game, and this is what I take into more account about how his season's going to go than how he looked at development camp. So uh, good for him to get a good start, and for the confidence. I think confidence is so huge with this kid next year. Um, for me, let's let's see what he can do. It's a great start. Do we have the, the Pedersen pass as well? These videos aren't uh, aren't showing up too great either. Oh, yeah, this one's better. Here we this go. This one's good. Yeah, this is, I don't know what happened on that last one. Elias Pedersen got an assist, uh, primary assist here as well. Very nice pass, just finding the open guy. Uh, he made it from the right point onto the left side to a right-handed stick. Nice little tap-in one-timer goal. Uh, very good setup from Elias Pedersen, who was playing on the third pairing for Orbro in their first preseason game. But nice to see both the uh, Canucks prospects getting on the, uh, the score sheet here early on. And, and to do that this part of the season... Hell yeah. Love to see it. Uh, some highlights anyways of Canucks players. It's going to start pouring in here pretty soon. We're losing uh, We're losing the feed there. We yeah. might have to shut, shut it down. Shut it down, Aaron. We shot it, that on uh, an iPod shuffle. It's all on my Twitter account. Find it all there. Um, so this is going to be the awkward thing for the YouTube folks, but for the podcast listeners who there are plenty more of anyways. Actually, not last week. Last week it was pretty close. We had a lot of people actually end up viewing the whole show. Um, our podcast was numbers were still higher, but actually starting to close the gap a little bit um, for YouTube folks. I'm apologies here, but for all the podcast listeners, let's get to our conversation now with jet. Woo. Uh, I talked to him for about 20 minutes. So the next 20 minutes here is going to be myself and jet. Woo chatting about uh, summer expectations for next year. Some stuff from last year, playoffs developing there. It's a great conversation. Love talking with jet. He's been on the show multiple times uh, for the, for the YouTube folks. I apologize to the podcast folks. Here's our conversation with jet. Woo. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Alright, guys, joining us now from the Abbotsford Canucks last season. He was the leading scorer from the defense core last year. Jet Wu joining us here. Jet, does that sound kind of fun being the leading scorer out of that defenseman group last year in Abbotsford? Yeah, I guess uh 
I guess I never really, really looked at it like that, but it's kind of funny hearing you say it. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. It, it's good to get you on here. I just, uh, I guess, how's the summer been, man? I saw on the Instagram you went down to Nashville. I'm sure that was a good time, but what else have you been up to this summer? No, it, it's been a good summer. Um, I've been, I spend most of my time here in Winnipeg. Um, I bought a place here, uh, so it's, it's nice getting settled in, but. Um, had a little trip to to Nashville with some buddies, and and that was basically it. Just been here training and and getting ready for the season. So, best thing about Nashville, what was it? Uh, I don't know. We we had a lot of uh, we had a lot of barbecue. Uh, I, I think every every dinner we were, we were at a different restaurant having having a nice meal. So. Uh, definitely, I, I, that's one thing I for sure miss. Yeah, as someone who also went down this summer, I, I was blown away that you can order like a chicken sandwich, and as a side, you can just choose another piece of chicken. I was like, this is <laughs> this place is amazing. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Nashville was great. Uh, I got to ask about fishing before we get into hockey stuff. How's that been for you this summer? Have you done much? I've done a little bit. Um, I haven't been out to the cabin too much. Um, uh, I, every time I've gone, I've caught I've caught quite a bit. But not as I haven't got as much as I wanted to. I started playing a lot of tennis. Uh, me and a couple of buddies, so um, we'll we'll play golf and tennis majority of the week. Um, hopefully, hopefully in the next little bit, I can actually get out and fish a little bit more before I come out. So I've been seeing a lot of guys get into pickleball. You just you're too young for that. You had to go straight to tennis. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was just having this uh, this talk with a buddy of mine. Um, no, we I've been playing a little bit of pickleball. I bought a racket. Um, I play with my girlfriend and her family a little bit too. Uh, it's a good mix, but I'm I'm definitely more of a tennis fan. Absolutely. Well, let's get to some hockey because that's what I'm sure you're better at that than tennis. But I don't know. Maybe you're maybe you're unreal at tennis too. I uh, we'll have to ask about that maybe another day. But uh, as for the hockey season, you signed a one year contract this summer. How how nice was that to kind of get that? I have a feeling probably just out of the way for you to kind of look forward to next season. Yeah, it was good. I mean, um, I, I know I felt like I had a a good season last year, a good end to the season. Um, I felt like I made some big steps, and I'm excited to, to, to show what else I can do this next year, and, and I know everyone else is excited as well. Yeah, most definitely. I think you know we heard from Ryan Johnson at the end of the year as well, and he brought up something that, that I think a lot of Canucks fans really tuned in on when he mentioned it, and it was that you know because of certain waiver situations, like they, they weren't able to get you into some NHL games. Uh, the, at the end of the season last year, but it was an expectation that uh, from Ryan Johnson that you're going to come in and fight for a job right out of training camp in the NHL to play games. I don't know if you heard that quote from RJ. I'm sure it's something you guys have probably talked about, though, but to hear that from the assistant general manager of the Vancouver Canucks and the general manager of the Abbotsford Canucks, uh, what is it like for you to kind of head into an off season hearing something like that from your GM? It's, uh, it's nice. Um, it's nice to know that. Um, you know, some of the, the hard work I've been putting in is, is kind of paying off. And, and like I said, I felt like I, I finished real strong last season. Um, you know, I know I didn't, wasn't able to get any games at the end, but I know at the same time um, we, we were fighting for for a good good spot in the, the playoff race. Um, and so I was still happy to be able to, to play for Abbotsford and, and um, help out there too. Um, but no, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this season. Like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a – to get a spot right out of camp how do you how do you just feel about the way last year went because you know we've we've talked a little bit in the past about you know you playing forward at the end of the 21 22 season and things like that that uh you know probably weren't the best in the right direction of like becoming an nhl defenseman but after last year like that had to be a year where 
I'm just guessing here, but I guess you have to feel pretty good about the way that you played last year. How, how good was last year just for you mentally moving forward in your hockey career? I think it was it was a big year mentally. Um, I think after that that first year in Abbotsford, um, definitely just um, in my own head after the season and thinking about it too much. But um, I went into the season um, with the mindset of, uh, you know, I was drafted there for a reason and, and to play that kind of hockey. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that I'll be, you know, that offensive-minded defenseman in the NHL. So I made sure to focus on my defensive game still. And, and you know, the, the points ended up coming, you know, later on, which, you know, it's not something that I focus on. But uh, I think it's just um, one more part of my game that I was able to show towards the end. And then I guess just from that year, like, what are certain things did you learn last year that are really going to help you moving forward? And, and did you learn that from veterans? Did it something that came from yourself? Like, what do you take away from last year and think, okay, I got to repeat that to continue the success? I think it's just, um, you know, the mindset of, you know, you're, you're not a rookie anymore. You're not, hmm. um, you're not that young guy no more. Um, you know, I can go into a camp as one of the leaders and, and um, kind of step up and, and even if there's guys that are, that are older than me or, or have been there you know a couple of years you know more than I have I can still be that leader and be um, someone on the ice that they look towards I don't think that you know even though I'm 23 and I'm still young that I can I can step up and, and wherever I'm playing whether it's Vancouver or Abbotsford I can um, you know show my leadership in those ways I, th- I think that's the biggest thing I, I took away from last year. I thought you were going to say that you just want to play more games in Manitoba because we saw how uh, how much offense you had when you were yeah, playing uh, yeah, the Moose there. That too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see. Maybe the Winnipeg Jets one day will be the team that uh, that you're hot up against here. But I, I guess yeah. looking at that, you brought it up like, hey, you're, you're not the rookie anymore. You've done a couple of training camps here with the Vancouver Canucks. And how do you approach this training camp this fall different than you have for some past ones? I think um... – I think it's just the mindset. I think other years I've been a little bit timid and, and, and nervous and scared. And um, But like you said, I know what to expect. And um, I, I think I just got to come out there showing how much I, how hard I worked during the offseason. Um, uh, like you said, I've been to a few training camps already. So I know there's guys that will be their first or second or, um, you know, they'll be nervous a little bit. But it's just being the guy, like I said, that can um, help out a little bit and be the leader and, um, you know, just kind of move it in the right direction. And, and I know the coaches and staff, they know what to expect of me. And uh, I think it's just up to me to, to prove them right. Let's talk about uh, your coach a little bit here. Jeremy Calton comes in, gets you guys further than we've ever seen the Abbotsford Canucks go in the playoffs. That was all great to see. A, a solid series with you guys and the Wranglers. It, it, it just felt like there were times where Jeremy really had you guys playing, like, just – I think very good defensive play. Like you guys were shutting things down in the neutral zone, not really letting them get set up in the offensive zone. Like I remember countless periods where it was like two or three shots against from you. And you know, whether it was Spencer or Artie back there, they could both look really good when they're facing two or three shots a period. How, how mm-hmm. different was it maybe getting some structure defensively there from Jeremy Carlton? Cause I feel like that's something that this team came together and, and here in this Vancouver market, the word structure gets thrown around so much. So how, how nice was it to have a different structure kind of thrown in there with you guys and the ability to execute it? Yeah, no, it, it was good. And, you know, we had a lot of games, especially early on where um, guys were hurt or called up. Um, guys were playing in, in different roles and, and playing a little bit more. Um, I think, you know, for the year, we, we, we worked on things that 
Um, I've never been a you know part of a team that we've worked on. We worked on you know changes in all areas of the ice. Um, worked on uh, you know where we're going to be putting the pucks on dumpings, and uh, it's not just like once or twice you know a practice every now and then. We we practice it all the time, and um, we practice every situation. And I think that was just one thing that when we came to the game, um, we all just knew what to expect of each other. Um, you know, it, it does help that that Marty and, and Artie were, were were stopping pucks back there for us and, and playing you know, as well as they did. But um, I think just um, just the game plan and the practice leading up were, were um, something I've never been uh, you know been a part of, and it was really good for us. I'm curious because I I made it out to a couple of your guys' practices in the playoffs. Didn't make it to many throughout the season, but one thing I noticed from watching you guys practice was. You know, after the whatever the coaches and the actual main part of practice is all done, players were staying out. They were working together. I remember seeing guys like on the whiteboard drawing up plays with each other. How much was it about the group like coming together at the end there and kind of almost adding to what the structure was set there by the coaching staff? It felt like you know the players were a big part of the structure being built there as well. Yeah, I mean, last year, and I'm, I can, I think I can speak for everyone. Last year was a lot of fun. Um, mm. We had a great group of guys. We had a great leadership group. Um, it, it was it was a lot of fun and and um, even away from the rink, guys were hanging out, uh, we're doing stuff. Uh, but I think everyone just enjoyed being around the rink. Um, you know, we we were still pushing each other in practice and being competitive. But you know, once practice was over, we were able to, like you said, work on little things or have fun or um, just just do the simple things. And um, no, I, I mean, it, it it was a solid year everyone together um and the, and the coaches were were uh were a big reason why i gotta ask about the playoff series with the wranglers uh all three of the losses one goal losses and you know after that year last year in the playoffs i guess two years ago now the the two game sweep to bakersfield how different was this past playoff run for you guys well i know um you know for myself playing against um playing against Baker in that first round um i had a little bit of a little bit of fire in me uh, for how that, that past season went. And, and um, once we once we won that and got uh, got Calgary, I knew we were all pretty excited. Um, we, I think we played them maybe a week or two before, something like that, and we were playing good hockey. Um, and then we got all those guys back, and we were, we were really excited. Um, they're a good team, but, I mean, I think, and, you know, you could probably ask some of those guys on the Wranglers, like, we, we, we played good, and I think those games, um, you know, could have gone either way we, we played well and I think it's just something to look forward to this season and I'm sure that everyone else is going to have a little bit of fire in them too and we we talk about this in the media a lot like you know it's good for young guys to get the opportunity to play playoff games in the AHL and, and I'm sure it's great but it, like I want to hear it from the player why is it so good at at a, at a young age to kind of learn what these moments are like like what what do you learn from having these important playoff games in the AHL at a young age I think um, one thing for me last year uh, was just, you know, taking care of your body. And you can't just, you can't just do that um, going into the playoffs or, or in the playoffs because um, you, you, need, you need to build habits. So I, I know I was dealing with some injuries during the year, um, but, you know, with, with these short bodies, I, I had to keep playing and, and taking care of myself. So um, for sure last year, that that was just, you know, taking care of yourself, um, especially, and, and what, sorry, one other thing was, um, you know, Abbotsford was was crazy. The fans and, and the, the the arena was packed and it was loud. Um, I think it was just for all of us to see how how that atmosphere is and for us to play in that and to do well. So, 
uh, it was really exciting, and I know we all took took a little bit from that. Because it feels like, yeah, like it, the way I would look at one thing, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like getting an experience of like a winning environment with a fan base together, like I feel like that's something that can really bring not only just like a team and the players, but like the organization I have to feel like was pretty happy with how things went in Abbotsford, though it was, you know, a second round exit. It just, it was a step up in the right direction. So how do you guys kind of build off of that? Because it felt like it was a lot of young guys doing what, uh, you know, to get you guys to that point last year. Yeah, I mean, everyone... Um, you know, regarding the young guys, we all have that, that one more year under our belt. And, um, you know, now we, we've gone to two rounds and, you know, the next step is to get to three, four, and we'll go all the way. So, um, we, we definitely took a step in the right direction and, and to have the guys that we had last year and the chemistry we had, it's only going to get better this year. And, um, I think we're all looking forward to it. It should be really exciting. I uh, want to ask a little bit about Arthur Silovs because I don't know if you've been following the summer of Silovs so much. Obviously, his his run at the World Championships was incredible with Latvia, but now there's you know there's artwork outside of the arena there. There's people bowing down to Silovs. What do you think of all this Silovs hype over there in Latvia? I mean, he uh, he definitely uh, um, you know definitely deserves it. He, he played so well for us. Both our goalies did. Um, you know, it's he's a funny guy, so it's it's good to see him get. Um, you know the recognition he deserves, and, and um, I think this year is only going to be a bigger year for him. And I'm excited to see you know how he does. And as for a year for you, uh, I'm curious what your expectations are for yourself. Do you set some goals, like whether it be going into training camp and you know earning at least a good look from the NHL coaches or making the NHL team out of camp? Like, what are your expectations for the next, I guess, like two three months here as we kind of move into the next season? Yeah, I mean, my, my expectations are nothing less than, than playing in the NHL. Um, you know, that's that's my priority. That's my goals. Um, now I feel like I've, I've, you know, taken some good steps, especially this summer, and um, I'm coming in ready. Um, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be a prick on the ice, and, and I'm going to be, you know, one of the leaders as well. You know, off the ice, so uh, I'm excited, and um, I definitely got some. Some fire in my belly, and, and you know, I'm just going to come in and um, play the best hockey I can. Absolutely, man. Well, 138 games now in the AHL. What from those games makes you NHL ready now? I think, um, you know, aside from um, the little things, you know, learning how to you know, move pucks quickly or jump up in the rush and, and all that kind of stuff, I think it's just, I think it's just my mentality now. Um, you know, I think I said before, like maybe I was a little timid or nervous or whatever, but um, I don't think I've been, a, you know, at a stage in my career like I am now where, where I feel ready and I'm uh, I nothing short of playing the NHL as a goal. So um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's just my mentality going into camp. Absolutely. One of the one of the things I do with uh, with Canucks Army Outlet is, is cover prospects a lot. And I'm super curious to get like a player's perspective of like, how different are you physically when you're 19 coming into the AHL to 23 now that you're at this age? Like, how different is that? Just, like, from, like, a pushing around with guys, you know, banging guys in the corner, these type of things. Like, how much difference is there from a 19-year-old to a 23-year-old who has this AHL experience that you have now? I think it's a big difference. And um, not only is it just, you know, how, you know, much stronger, faster you are, but it's even just the little tricks you learn, um, you know, when you're 19 and you go to, you know, box a guy out or, or something and um, you do it just the way you're taught versus, you know, three years or whatever in the league and you have these pro coaches and, and 
these guys, these players that play pro and they're showing you how they boxed out and just little tricks like that. Um, I think it's just a big advantage. So, um, you know, it's something that you learn along the way. And that's kind of, that's kind of the difference for me. Uh, Jet wanted to ask about what the defense pairings could look like in Abbotsford this year. I mean, we don't know who's going to make the NHL team yet. We'll see what happens. Like, you're you're obviously in contention. Christian's in contention as well. Noah had some AHL games, but he might be in the NHL. Uh, I'm looking at guys like Akito Rose, Jack Rathbone's kind of in that conversation as well. Cole McWard, like, whoever doesn't make that NHL team, I have to imagine that Abbotsford's feeling pretty good about that defense score that they're going to have next year. Yeah, absolutely. Um I felt like last year we, we we had a great group of guys, like I said, and um, the defense core was great. And um, there are times where, where you know guys like Jules or Woolley were, were called up. Breezer was called up and, and was there the rest of the season. Um, and, and other guys were, were stepping up. I mean, you know, some names that, you know, were not – that you didn't really say were, um, you know, Alex, you know, stepped up, Shmeem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Nychuk was, was big for – like there, there's all these guys that – um, once maybe they didn't play right away, but once they were playing, they were they were a big help for us. Um, and so you, you got to be excited for for what's to come for them, and, and we're really excited for um, you know whoever's playing down there. Can I ask one question about Alex Knuck Leeper? Because like I I got to know like what's going on in the bench when he's fighting like six foot eight guys or just beating the wheels off of like some <laughs> of the toughest guys in the NHL. Like what are you what are you guys doing on the bench? But if you go back. <laughs> If you go back and watch those videos, I think you see almost everyone, you know, including myself, leaning over the boards, just screaming, screaming. <laughs> even if he's even if he's getting hit, like we're screaming, we were loving it. Um, you know, I've played against him in the Western. I know a lot of guys did. Uh, we know how tough he is, and I don't think a lot of a lot of guys that we play against knew. And um, I think it was a rude rude awakening for those guys that that fought him and, and you know had to deal with it. So, no, uh, it's. Uh, it's real exciting when he does that. And, um, you know, he, he doesn't need to, to fight to make an impact in, in the hockey game, you know. So um, he's, he's real, uh, real good to have on a team and, and um, off the ice as well. Well, let's, uh, let's let the fans know somewhat about a bromance that you might have going on. I'm, I'm curious, who do you miss from the Abbotsford locker room the most? Who are you most excited to see again at training oh, camp? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, that's so hard. You know what? I was just thinking the other day we have a we have a fantasy football league, so um, I'm excited to to get that draft going and then and then seeing everyone you know at camp and just kind of um, you know talking about it and, and chirping each other. So um, yeah, I know last year that was uh, that was real exciting for us. So I think the guys in those in that league was was real exciting and looking forward to get that started. I guess. Well, I'll tell you what to bring it up on a podcast. I'm assuming you were the winner last year. Is that what you want to get to here? You know what? Last year was my first year. Um, I took the president's trophy. Some would say that doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> me, that that's real promising. I came uh, came third place only because Jalen Hurts got hurt in my semifinals. But uh, nope, I'm looking to to take home the the championship this year. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's like the European leagues. Like the the regular season means everything in all like the European sports. Anyway, so you can there look you go. That way. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, Jet, I uh, appreciate you taking the time today, man, uh, especially in a busy offseason for you. Uh, you know, b- wish you best wishes here heading into the uh, the training camp. Best of luck, uh, you know, achieving that goal, getting to the NHL. It's For people who don't know it, you haven't touched in the NHL yet. You haven't touched ice yet in the NHL, so I'm sure it's a big goal for you next year. Uh, and we appreciate you jumping on the show as you have in the past as well. So best of luck heading into training camp this year, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
And now we're back on the podcast and on YouTube. This is weird, but for all the podcast listeners, you just heard uh, Jet Wu, a great conversation there with Wu. Uh, Quads, let's get to our poll question. Take us away here. Okay, our poll question, as always, brought to you by the great folks over at Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15 for 15% off your first order of pop rinds. These are the best fresh pork rinds straight from your microwave or air fryer. They're unlike pork rinds you've ever seen before, folks. None of that yellow bag crap. Uh, Like popcorn, they come small. You put uh, like uh, one-eighth of a cup in and you've got a healthy snack, high-protein snack low carb uh go check them out locally owned and operated out of surrey british columbia like i said that is atlas goods atlasgds.com and the promo code is cc15 our poll question today who is most likely to play on puce suitors wing connor garland vasily pod colson anthony bovillier and as always i'm angry chris i am with the majority i brought him up before analytics gretzky 57% of voters say Connor Garland, 29% say Vasily Podkolz, and 7% say Anthony Beauvillier, and 7% say they are angry. I'm with the majority, Chris. Connor Garland is my guy. Yeah, and you know what? I found it interesting. Like, let's let's talk about what Connor Garland has done so well to become the analytics Gretzky of the NHL. Uh, some would even call him the Gretzky of the NHL. Uh, but the way that Garland has success is creating offensive five on five, and. Maybe that's the, the key to having Puce Suter find his next level of offense is playing with a good playmaker or a guy who just creates offensively and brings scoring chances to his line mates. I, I think that's what I'm looking at with Connor Garland being the option there, and it just feels like you, you make all of your lineups, and I did this for Canucks Army. I did 11 different Canucks ones. I feel like Connor Garland was in the top six once of those 11 articles, uh, and like I'm being honest, like at one point I had Tyler Myers playing forward at one point. So like we tried everything uh, aside from putting Connor Garland in the top six consistently. It felt like it feels like he's the guy who's going to be on that third line playing with Pew Suter. And then to me, the other name I put up there was Vasily Podkolz, and he's got you know 30 percent of the vote right now. I, I really think he's in the conversation too because there is going to be one of Podkolz and her Huglander in the top nine. And it seems to be leaning towards Podkolz, especially if it is a fit with Garland and Suter. Feels like Pod Colson's a little bit of a better fit than Huglander because if you put Huglander there, there's really not a lot of size on your third line. Like you're at least getting that with Pod Colson. So I think you can see both these guys. And honestly, like predicting the day one opening night lineup from the coaching staff and how, what they choose, I think it is going to end up being a third line of Pod Colson, Garland, and Suter. Yep, absolutely. And look, like I heard, I heard your hit on Hal from Rough this morning. You talked about. Uh, line combos and stuff and a lot's going to change right and hey like let's not forget that there's also going to be at least one more move to free up some cap space a lot of people think it's going to be a tyler myers trade but something has to give with the canucks current salary cap situation okay get us out of here i got uh I got some stuff to take care of, but uh, betway first sure let's get the betway uh bet of the day up here this is a a good one you know uh Look at that. Nice job, Aaron. That was quick. Um, you know I like uh, the baseball bets, Quads. You know I like the Blue Jays bets. We got a couple of uh, – well, I th- Quads, do you think Aaron Nola is a good pitcher? I, I think he's had uh, – he had a really good uh, kind of start to the season. He slowed down the last few games. His last three starts haven't been great. Uh, but I'm going to rock on with, uh, with Aaron Nola and uh, – who's pitching for the Jays? Jose Barrios again? No, sorry, um, Gosman. Kevin Gosman and Aaron Nola. I got both of them. Recording 18 or more outs. So 
pitching six innings. And the bet that you're getting on that, I'm trying to pull it up here on the screen. Do we have it up here? There it is. Uh, plus 150, $10 bet. That's going to return you $25 if Gosman and Nola both record 18 outs. Nola's last three starts, he has not gone over six innings. Before that, a very long stretch of going over six innings. I'm talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. As I'm counting live on air, seventeen of his last eighteen starts before this bat, this little rough stretch, uh, he went six or more innings. So I like this one. You're getting plus one fifty on two guys who have been pretty good throughout the season and getting past that six innings uh, of work for starters. And we're at that point of the year where, listen, the starters kind of get stretched out a little bit, right? I mean, we're starting to, especially teams that are in playoff battles, like if you're running away with your division, you're probably not extending all your starters. You're saving them for the playoffs a little bit. But the Phillies and the Blue Jays, I think they're they're kind of running their starters out a little bit long. They want to get six innings from each of these guys uh, tonight. So that's why I'm going with that for my bet. Both guys over uh, six innings. Yeah. I like the bet. Aaron Nola, you asked about his year. He started really poorly, and he started to turn around a little bit. I don't know. Like, he's a Cy Young caliber pitcher. He has been historically, but he just hasn't been that for the Phillies this year. But uh, I don't want to talk more baseball, believe it or not. You can go find that on the Batters Box podcast, which has uh, 30 regular listeners now. 30? 30 uh, 30 regular listeners, yeah. So go, go join the club. Go join the Batters Box club. Go subscribe to the Batters Box, available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Okay, we will close it out there it was a nice episode back from vacation we'll be back next week folks uh but in the meantime oh, wait, in between sorry, time sorry, sorry. you got you, you did not you did not just oh no, yeah, you're closing it out I'm no not. what i'm saying is uh next week because you never give me a chance to talk ever on this show especially today you were you were antsy to talk uh so i'm, I'm getting my wisdom teeth taken out tomorrow uh so i think we're gonna have to push the show a little bit later into the week again thursday or friday type of thing depending on how uh how this goes i am so worried to get my wisdom teeth taken out because i because you told me that you were awake for it. I thought you get knocked out completely. But you don't have to. Well, like, I want to. Mine was, I know, I don't know. I, I didn't really care. Like, I... Uh, if they give you the yeah. option to get knocked out, you turned it down? Is that what happened? Because that seems they said crazy if to you, me. They said if you want to get knocked out, you have to go to a different clinic. And I was like, Whoa. no, I like this clinic. I'm coming here. I'd so they, they were like, okay, we're just going to freeze you and... The, the someone was there and they were like you can just squeeze my arm if you're in pain and i was like okay and like you're frozen it didn't really hurt but the weird the really weird thing and if you have if you're sensitive to any of this stuff stop listening because the really weird thing was when i was in the chair i was completely frozen right but the dentist was like okay you're gonna feel some pressure i need you to push your head to the left and i was like okay push my head to the left and he's like try and keep your head still and then he's like wrenching because he had to break my tooth to get it out. So he's like wrenching on my face and pulling to the right. And I'm like fighting him with my neck. And it was, oh, dude, it was trippy. And I was like, what would you do if I was knocked out? Does someone like hold my head in place? And like, anyway, mm-hmm. I just, you know, not to scare you before your surgery, but like it was fine. It, it was totally fine. And honestly, man, the worst part about that is the recovery, right? It's just yeah. the days after. That's the worst part. So you can have that to look forward to, but the surgery itself is a cakewalk. You're fine. I, like I said, I stayed awake for it. I just felt a weird little, and like, you're not going to feel anything that I felt. So you're fine. You're fine. You're going to be just fine. Nothing about the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, 
nothing about the actual surgery hurt. Like I was frozen. I was good. Like it, it was fine, man. Okay, so this, you just you felt a little weird. Is this a stu- this might be a stupid question? Because uh, this is what I'm imagining is like they just have like pliers and they're pulling out the teeth in your back. Like it, it's got to be like some sort of like medical pliers. I'm assuming, right? Because they're pulling the tooth out. But you, but they break it first, so I'm a little worried. But uh, JT Miller, no, no, they had to break mine. Oh, it wasn't okay. Like, it's not super standard that you break the break the teeth. Well, but, I'm just, yeah. I don't like, uh, like, I don't like teeth stuff. I've been saying for years, like, give me the whole. I want all the fake teeth now. I don't want to get old and then get fake teeth. I just want them all now. I don't want to deal with any teeth. Pro- I hate teeth problems more than anything. Tooth problems, teeth problems. One of those two. Tooth. Tooth problems. Someone I know. I can't remember who it was. I can't remember who it was, but someone I know told me that they stayed awake for theirs and then the surgeon had like a drill or something and like actually drilled like the size of a cigarette, like a hole in the back of their throat. I can't remember who told me this. It was a friend of mine, but it happened to a friend of mine. Um, but you'll be fine. You'll be good. Like right. you don't have to worry. Yeah, you'll I think okay. uh, the guy who's muted in the chat said that actually he's got a hole in the back of his throat. I don't know. Oh, it was it was Cody. That's so funny. Yes, it was Cody that told me that story. That's funny that he told but it then, in the uh, chat. Like well. I said, I the it. in the chat, JT Miller, who's uh, hanging out here with us on the podcast, just like Kevin Strick uh, in the chat here, uh, says, not as bad as you think, Faber. I got all four pulled in five minutes. See, I'd love that. And exactly. I've been told that mine are, I guess the problem with wisdom teeth when they start to get bad is like they, they go sideways, right? Or they, they're, they're side, they said mine are like straight as an arrow. Up and down. So uh, so hopefully that's going to be easy. I am going to milk this. I am going to be, you know, quads, I'm not a whiny person. The next five days, I'm going to be the whiniest mother effer that you've ever seen in your life. I'm going to be like a baby sitting on the couch all day playing uh, playing video games, just icing my face and whining all day. So don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Don't do anything. Don't text me. Don't call me. Because I'm just going to be whining on the other end if you try. Are you uh, are you keeping the teeth? Sure. I don't know. Do you get to are do you? that? They uh, asked me. They were like, do you want to keep the teeth? And oh, I was yeah. like, no. Yeah, I'll no, keep it. Sure. Why? I don't know. Do you know how long a wisdom tooth is? It's like that long. It's a long. It's long, man. It's that long, eh? Yeah. And Aaron, uh, Aaron said in the chat, you can see all the blood and mess get pulled out of your mouth. So that's nice, too. And that was I, there was there was a lot of blood on that little. It's like bit my biggest I fear. I, I don't want all that. I just I hate dental work. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I know nobody likes it, but it's one of the things that like gives me uh, consistent anxiety. I, I'm always worrying good. about my my dental health. And uh, we'll not see. enough. You hadn't gone to the dentist for seven years. That's what I'm saying. Because I didn't have benefits. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I was a blogger. I don't get benefits being a blogger. <laughs> Oh, oh shoot! We gotta apply for Canucks credentials. They just sent out a reminder email. That's very uh, really nice. I already did. Oh, good for you. Okay, yeah. we gotta get that done. Yeah. Okay, we'll close it out there. Figure uh, it out. for my co-host Chris Faber, hey, who's and surgery bound, and Jet Wu for the podcast listeners. Of course, yes. Our thanks again to Jet Wu for my co-host Chris Faber and our technical producer Aaron Bordado. My name is Dave Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.